0: assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh It's your host Shabir. welcome back to another Ilmfeed podcast uh, Alhamdulillah it's going really well and uh, I've been enjoying just like hosting uh, these episodes so far And uh, I hope you've all been enjoying it as well uh, Feedback has been really really amazing uh, In terms of who we've got uh, for today's episode uh, It's a familiar face because he's already been on uh, the podcast before So he's basically our first uh, recurring guest Alhamdulillah uh, none other than of course Sheikh Hasib Noor, uh, all the way once again back in the UK, uh, coming from the blessed city of Medina. Salaam alaykum rahmatullah Shaykh. You missed us too much, so you had to be back on the Yeah <laughs> you know, my wife is
1: saying you need to get British citizenship, bro. <laughs> I'm here so often, Alhamdulillah, I'm just enjoying it.
0: Alhamdulillah, good stuff. Uh, I was just actually going to say, because you joined us uh, you know, quite a while back now, uh, last time you were here, uh, and that time we spoke about something a bit different, which was about Erzurul and uh, Ottoman history and everything else. So, of course, for uh, those who are tuned in, make sure you uh, check out episode 8 uh, with Sheikh Hasib to find out more about that. But today's discussion is going to be like completely different. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe it's it's linked with Alzura and Halima Salah. Right, right. <laughs> there's some crossover. Yeah, yeah, there's some crossover, but um yeah, I think uh, especially uh, this time now that you're here in the UK, a lot of events that you've done, uh, something that you've been speaking about a lot, uh, is um just to do with like marriage, relationships. Um, gender interaction it's like what most people would call like hot topics mm. uh, everyone's talking about it uh, and i think especially like it doesn't doesn't like it's not kind of like uh, restricted to the uk anywhere in the world in the west um there's this like struggle especially that young muslims are facing uh in the day and age of you could say like a mixture of things like social media um like hollywood bollywood uh you know you've got like Uh, like uh, pornographied society and like you know over sexualized and objectification all of these things like mix and mash right Um, all of these put together and then you've got this struggle with people who are like trying to find someone to Mm -hmm. for example get married to Uh, and then along the way there's so many struggles might be culture Uh, it might be just like spiritual struggles like lowering the gaze and gender interaction and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so I guess like I mean <laughs> to kind of fit all of that in and <laughs> in this episode is going to be right. a bit of a struggle. Right. But let's just take it all the way from the beginning. Right. Starting from like why why do you think so many people are struggling to to get married or you know to kind of like overcome these obstacles we could say. Let's let's maybe start with that.
1: All right, so bismillah uh, alhamdulillah alaihi with regards to obviously the, the the struggles just the fact that the struggle is real because obviously love and interaction and finding a mate, a, a person that you're going to be with for the rest of your life is a natural thing. Mm. So obviously, naturally, every, it's not just a community thing where you can say, okay, the Muslims are suffering this in the UK or in the, in, in Australia or Nigeria or in mm. America, but it's something that every individual has to deal with. Sure. Uh, so essentially, it's something that, you know, you'll see patterns um, have repeated no matter where people are on this earth, and uh, globalization has really affected everybody. So the mm. same... You know patterns and struggles we're seeing. It's subhanallah. I'll meet people from Indonesia. I was in Malaysia, and I'm I'm literally counseling Malaysian Muslim. Never been to the West, mm. suffering from the same kind of issues same and same kind of struggles. Literally culture in Malaysia. You know, for those of you listening from Malaysia, mashallah. Like uh, they'll they'll recognize some of the same struggles, some of the same problems. Mm. So um, the the struggles are are obviously going to be generally the same, and then specific obviously to the time and place. Uh, but just because love and finding love and relationship uh that is lasting in a society of hookup culture Hmm. uh, that's ultimately the problem here um we have basically cheapened the institution of marriage we have cheapened the idea of of being with one person we Hmm. have uh, kind of like let go of the principles of what it means to find somebody that you uh it can invest in and they can invest in you and complete you and, and they complete Um, uh, you complete them, and that's kind of what Islam taught us for a very long time, but it also had an infringement of it, to where people thought that the Islamic kind of concept of finding the right person became impractical, Mm -hmm. right? And that idea of like, how do you go about it the right way, it had all these cultural like caveats and, you know, twists and turns to the point where people like, you know what, I'm just going to do it my way, whatever way I I, I see fit, and that Mm -hmm. led to, obviously, to to a number of mistakes, and people Mm -hmm. then lead to uh, heartbreak, lead to cynicism, uh, and maybe other kind of uh, bad bad types of habits and things like that. So that's the thing, sir. I mean, what,
0: like an argument would be from many uh, like Muslims, young Muslims, whatever age they are, because uh, it's not actually restricted to young Muslims. You will find right, that, you know, people who yeah. are even in their 30s, 40s are struggling with this. But like, what if they argue and just say, look, uh, things have just become so complicated like my understanding like a, a person's personal understanding of religion and and how things work or culture for example right it's made things so rigid and it made, it's made things so difficult 100%. like what do I then do like do we just blame it on religion do we blame it on uh, society right. do, do we blame it on uh, culture mm-hmm. uh, how would we kind of uh, like speak to those types of people and, and and kind of uh you know respond to them
1: Okay, so this is a very, very good uh, follow-up. And the idea is that, yes, there are people that blamed straight religion. Mm. Uh, and they're, they're even, they call themselves Muslim reformers. Literally, that's (laughs) if you go online, Muslim reformers is the title that they kind of like refer themselves to as we need to reform the entire faith itself. The faith is the problem. The way the faith has spoken about uh, women, the Mm. way the faith has spoken about the interaction between a husband and wife and what that should be. So they've kind of like completely said, no, the the religion is the problem itself. We have to admit to that. There's people Mm. who believe this. Uh, And obviously there's a a larger portion. These, these, These people honestly don't have traction in the community. So giving them kind of like any kind of air... Um, sometimes it's yeah, just yeah. counterintuitive and you know that i mean they're they 're on social media yeah. so it 's basically opportunists who have been given money <laughs> <laughs> and kind of like literally their patreon accounts and like, this kind yeah. of negative kind of uh, per, uh, perspective but um they they take some real problems and, and things that the community has neglected and taken it to unfortunately uh wrong uh conclusions so we have to the first thing we have to do is recognize the problems what are the what are the real problems the real problems are there is unfortunate practice of Islam by cultural infringement that has impeded uh, people's ability to find a uh, person to marry, mm. uh, gender interaction, imposition on uh, sexist or patriarchal or you can even say misogynistic understandings of, of the faith that uh, is not true, right? Mm. Um, at the same time, we have adopted, uh, on the other side of, uh, of the coin, we have adopted maybe Western cultural hegemony when it comes to our understanding of our faith as well, where we're applying our faith under the lens of, uh, of Western culture to acquiesce instead of saying, listen, uh, how can Islam cater to some solving some of our problems? You're trying to like almost like force those kind of cultural standards onto Islam, like yeah, projecting yeah. it. So the idea is, <clears throat> when we talked about this even in Islamic history. Um, we're kind of colonized in our mindset. Hmm. We're colonized by village Islam and we're colonized by... Uh, the Western cultural hegemony ideas. Uh, and both of them are, are problematic. What do I mean by village Islam? The idea of the post-colonial kind of transformation period that we talked about in the last podcast and how it influenced of the decimation of our education systems and it led to uh, an infringement of culture because of lack of education. So when mm-hmm. there's no education, what do people refer to? Back to their roots. And uh, that transition period has like really seeped into our our, our society as well as... Um, you know, people taking uh, 14th century legal terminology, legal texts, judicial, legal books, yeah. and trying to apply their lives through that lens, which is like, that's the whole problem. Like, you know, we mm. did a marriage seminar yesterday, uh, two days, um, uh, you know, one day after the other, uh, Nikahko, and like we, were, we had like over 100 people show up the first day in London, and um, you could see the diversity of people. Uh, you could see that one of the problems that that they have is everyone thought we're going to talk about like the fiqh of marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like define to me nikah, istilahan right? These are
0: the rights, these are the roles, right. and that's it, like kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and you remember that there was a brother that asked straight up, like when yeah, are we yeah. going to talk about the rights of the husband and the rights of the wife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like, <laughs> this is the whole problem. You're looking at the whole legal terminology of a relationship that's supposed to be organic. Hmm. So in nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, and that's like the that kind of like the whole thing that that uh, is founded on this entire discussion on the Prophet when he spoke about these things, he spoke about it in the most natural and organic way. And one of the best ways we can actually start that discussion of like the solutions, of problems, real problems that the Prophet dealt with, look at the Prophet When a man came to him, he said, "Ya Rasulullah, I have been, uh, you know, charged to take care of an orphan girl, yeah. and she's uh, has two proposals. One of them is a very rich, well-off man, and another one is a young, you know, both of them are young. Uh, he's less well-off; he's poor." Mm. Uh, he doesn't have that much money, meaning he could be middle or lower, middle class, etc. in that time. Uh, and he said, I want her to marry the rich, well-off man. Because, you know, like, ultimately, that's what kind of people want. They want yeah. good end for their for the person that... They're, it's like a daughter to him. So he said, Ya Rasulullah, what do you think? Uh, what should we do? Alayhi salatu Salam. The Prophet, said something so profound and beautiful and shows you somebody who has, uh, like, the ability to see and have foresight and to um, tune into things that exists without him having been told. Mm -hmm. And Nabi ﷺ, he said that there's nothing better for two people that love one another except marriage. And this is narrated Sunan ibn Majah. Look at at the beautiful nature of this. The Prophet ﷺ, he tuned in to the fact that this woman and that man have had some kind of uh, dealing with one another that uh, they've met one another, they've fallen in love, they've gotten to the point where they've, they're comfortable to marry, mm. and the Prophet didn't <clears throat> ask the details of any of that. But he tuned into it and said, look, they want to get married now. And he didn't say, okay, what happened? How did they meet? Mm-hmm. What was the interaction like? Did he ask those questions? No. He simply asked, okay, these people, they want to marry? There's nothing better than two people that are religiously suitable, another narration of it, religiously suitable and compatible. In their and their character yeah. except uh, that love one another except marriage mm. so there's two narrations of it. both of them explain it, uh, details uh, of the situation the, the idea being is the prophet dealt with the reality yeah right and he he understood and had the foresight to see what the problems were at that time in mm. his in, in among his people <clears throat> and I think we need to do the same thing we need to look at look what's what are the problems uh, and ha- what are those uh, the sources of those problems? And then what does Islam have to say in solving those problems? And how people have misunderstood them. Mm, so
0: I guess what we can learn from that narration, um, which may- maybe many people they they aren't exposed to this idea, is that like maybe just having those feelings like is a natural thing, and that's exactly what the Prophet some kind of. You know he understood from from these two individuals, right? Hundred percent. But uh, don't you feel like a lot of people they just kind of think that you know th- even that is wrong, like to have that feeling, right. meaning that urge to so then you know fall in love we could say like right. in inverted commas and then wanting to get married to someone right so what why is that kind of like why do people have this misunderstanding why why don't we look at these ahadith because there seem to be many narrations not just this one right if there's just one that existed then maybe okay fair enough but there's so many like marriage happened right in the time <laughs> of Christ. he married on different occasions the companions they married and i guess we're going to come to medinan society that's another right. Uh, discussion we're going to have but why do people like think even that is wrong because you're just taking away like a, a natural human like you know uh, emotion
1: right? uh, again i think it's because of the uh, circumstances in which our parents maybe our grandparents maybe their our great-grandparents mm. uh lit and ha- married and honestly remember it has a lot to do with history as well like uh, i'm yeah. gonna plug my history thing into the idea being is that transformation of uh, the post-colonial era, people li- literally were in survival mode, man. We mm-hmm. were completely decimated our lands, our, our resources, everything's gone. So how, what are mm-hmm. people marrying for? They're literally marrying for security and insurance almost. Like your children are are what you're uh, looking for to take care of you. And that's why to this day, that's the same mentality we have. Like I, Inshallah, I'm, when I grow old, my child is gonna take care of me. Uh, so that's gonna lead on to now modern problems of now cohabiting with your parents with your in-laws etc so you understand the same mentality has been like kind Mm. of remained the same for 80 years 100 years uh, of that of that uh institution of marriage which was for survival Mm. but you know this word culture i
0: mean every time we mention it it seems to be in a negative light it seems right. to be like uh, you know as soon as you hear culture it's like oh that's negative right especially with the like the the new generation uh, in the west is like culture forget that's like baggage right right uh, and then now we have to like hold <laughs> yes. on to other things right uh so but then there's there is this like would you say like urf. Uh, which mm-hmm. we would say like we could translate as custom maybe. Right. Is that the same as what we're talking about here? Because uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about it in the Quran when he says right. like, bil maruf, same root, you know, according right. to the custom of the people. Right. So is that the same thing or would you differentiate?
1: Well, that's the beautiful thing. I mean, uh, like you mentioned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he talks about a lot of the issues of marriage in the Quran itself, because that's our mm-hmm. starting point. Yeah. Uh, he mentions that a lot of the issues with love and uh, when people, uh, the rights and responsibilities and, and the... The protocols of how people go about their marriage, bil it's based according to the customs of the people. And Allah didn't give you like a how-to dummies guide, the exact mm. verbatim of like you have to go one, two, three, about going the, the entire process. Right. He left a lot of it to the customs of the people. So we have to understand when we talk about culture, and, when, and especially in this conversation, we're talking about cultural infringement at odds with Islam. There's no yes. such thing as a cultural society. You don't live in an absence of culture, sure. even in in Britain or America or mm. Nigeria or Malaysia or Norway or wherever you're from, right? The idea being is that you're always going to adopt a certain level of culture that is going to be seen within the society, especially when you intermarry into the cult, into the culture of the of the society itself. Mm. Uh, so there is no such thing as an absence of culture, and that's why the Prophet sallallahu alaihi said he mentioned uh, among the uh pra- many practices in islam that take into account the culture and the context uh and there's a great principle in fiqh called adam right that the the norms and the practices of the people and the, their culture is taken into account in rulings
0: mm, very interesting see so that's the point that i was trying to get at because so many people would just either because there's different extremes right either you just go all for culture right. and like just leave islam or like, you know, people are like, no, forget that culture and then you just go for Islam. But then I guess it's, there is a balance, right? In when it comes to, Yeah, there is definitely a balance. Right. Okay, great. Another word that you mentioned was compatibility. Right. Uh, uh, but then we've also said that we don't kind of follow everything to the T when it comes to like, you know, uh, legalities and, and text, etc. So would you say like, even when it comes to compatibility, has that also like kind of progressed and changed over time? Like, would you still kind of look at... Okay, like I'm from uh, a certain place, uh, she's from a certain place, right? So I right. need to look at that. Which side uh, of I've the river certain, are you from? <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> the like, south side of London and north <laughs> right, side right, of London. Right. Uh, but like even in terms of like job nowadays, right? right. In terms of all of these things, like right. how would you kind of view that uh, in light of the, the the day and age that we're living in?
1: Okay, so one of the things that for sure we have to put on the table is that uh, people have pigeonholed the idea of the institution of marriage of it has to be arranged. Okay, it has to yeah. be. It has to go through the you know the auntie circle or the mom and the and, the, and this is this is problematic. This is seriously problematic. Can, we, I just d-
0: define, but sorry, uh, can we just define? sorry, can we just define arranged marriage first? For, right, like, good. <laughs> yeah, that could be that. Yeah, because so many people could arranged marriage obviously
1: theory. has a wide wide definition of what you consider arranged. Arranged right. meaning, uh, especially when it comes from a, from a, like for example. People who are not Muslim and they hear arranged marriage, they think something is being forced. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're yeah, not. So. Of course, we're not talking about that. From a Muslim sure. perspective, many people kind of get the general idea. It can either be you, you, you uh, are are introduced to somebody mm. uh, through a protocol. Either your parents know somebody and they say, "Hey, it would be nice if you meet that person, this girl or that guy," and then you go ahead and you meet each other and you have some form of uh, exchange to see if you're compatible and there's chemistry or whatever, mm. and then that leads you to to get <clears> married. <throat> now, a lot of people think that this is bad or this is good Or this is the only way and this, is, this, shouldn't, uh, this shouldn't be the way yeah. Both of them are wrong uh, Again, we're talking about it's Allah left it open Now mm. look at the first hadith I mentioned to you It's talking about two people that had obviously They spoke to one another, they found compatibility in chemistry So Islam allows that spectrum We have to understand this mm. The idea is Allah did not uh, enforce on us to follow a protocol Allah left it to us and gave us statute of limitations Limitations that protect and preserve people's honor, protect in people's uh, people's feelings, uh, as well as their emotional, and physiological, and psychological states when yeah. they're so invested in a relationship, and all of a sudden it's not there. So, um, when it comes to the uh, idea of compatibility and chemistry, we have to understand that this, in our day and age, is something that's very important. We're no longer in like in the vast majority of the of the, of the world where. Muslims live in Western societies or in what we can say developed societies or developing societies for those of you who are in Nigeria, for those of you who are in uh, many countries in Africa are becoming developing societies. The Asian countries like India and Pakistan are becoming developing societies. Malaysia is a developing society. It's considered to be right now as the uh, fastest growing economy in the world. Turkey is like number 15. It's coming up like so even in, in the Middle East we're now facing issues where we're out of survival mode that doesn't mean it doesn't exist in the vast large portions of the Ummah where people are still in survival mode Yeah. Right. but the funny thing is check this out I know for a fact the words that I'm saying right now is being listened to somebody in like uh, the fields of a country look at mm. the amazing thing of globalization so some of the things we we're going to mention obviously may not fit with the context that you hear you have to understand that the idea of this discussion of compatibility and chemistry and the rights and, and finding the right person and marriage has to fit in your context, sure, in your yeah. context. And you have to assess your situation. So when it comes to compatibility and chemistry, um, what are the protocols that are known in your in your society? You know, is it something that is, is, is readily acceptable? Is it not? Um, and why isn't it? It's a very complex discussion, especially when you're talking to the world <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on Elm yeah, yeah. right? Um, so we can't, we can't, we can't generalize. I want to make that very, very clear. Mm. We're not caricaturizing and we're not generalizing, and we're not stereotyping. Yeah. So these are very important to kind of like get across, and maybe we can talk about some of the details of that.
0: So uh, in terms of the the lead up to uh, marriage, right? Um, because th- this is where most of the struggle will be found. I mean, right. once you've Someone and you get married, I guess th- that's a whole different kind of like, uh, <laughs> right. you know struggle. And right, stuff. But, right, right. like, I guess the main struggle that we're focusing on uh, is trying to like actually you know getting to know someone or finding right. someone in the first place and then uh, marrying them, right? So, uh, just for example, some of those uh, like uh, struggles would be like just that interaction in the first place, right. trying to find someone in the first place. And I know, like, we've been uh, discussing as well how like this whole discussion on like gender interaction has become right. really like. Like we're quite obsessive, unhealthy, like obsession yeah, with this whole thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So I mean, just even away from the context of marriage, right? Because that's a different thing. In general, like our day-to-day interactions with the opposite sex, the opposite gender. Right. Uh, especially as Muslims, as people who take our faith seriously, and and what you know, uh, our uh, our kind of like faith tells us. Right. Um. Like, what would you say? Would you would you just say like just keep things natural like why do we have to focus on this thing so much 100%. like when you go to work for example uh, you're going to have like you know male female colleagues right, right. Uh, you, you're in the outside world you're just you're commuting every single day right. you go, like, you're studying whatever it is at like, university right. college you're going to come across like people of the opposite gender right so like as Muslims why do you think we're A we're so kind of like focused on this because yeah. yes there is an important element to it as right. well we're not saying
1: disregarding it all right. and then like B what would your just general advice be Okay, so first of all, I think we have an unhealthy obsession with this entire topic. Mm. The idea of that we've focused on it so much that even the Prophet didn't have that much focus on it. It's become like a pillar of Islam uh, in some people's (laughs) circles. To the extent that they're like, be very careful. To the extent that your entire iman will be lost. And this is very dangerous. Uh, What has happened is that unhealthy infatuation with it has caused an extreme. And that is the hyper-sexualization of thinking of the opposite gender. So literally any interaction with the opposite gender has become almost like a near-zina experience. A'udhu this is not the case. The mm-hmm. Prophet ﷺ, this is very clear in, in the time of the Sahaba, no one can say that this was specific or was not. The Prophet for example, yes. with Abu Bakr al-Umar, would go to the home of uh, Abu Haytham at tayhan al-Ansari. This is in Surah Al-Tenb, He would go to his house to visit, knock on the door, the wife would open, the wife of uh, uh, Abu Haytham. And when uh, they're about to enter, she's like, oh, he's not here. Please, come sit. In the living room, we, he's gonna—he's just getting something. He'll be on his mm-hmm. way home. SubhanAllah, look at the look at the beautiful, like, normal interaction between this uh, situation. But, subhanallah, uh the way what we've made out of it is just completely not acceptable, even Islamically. We might take something out of context, one particular situation, <clears throat> and completely take it out of the uh, the c- the objective of what the Prophet was speaking about, or the context and specific practices. Yeah. Um, this is just one example. You have another example of Salman and abu Dhar. Right, who he literally went to visit. Uh, he wanted to visit his friend. He comes into his home. He's not home. His wife uh, allows him to enter the house and says, "Please sit." Inshallah, he'll be. He'll come. Mm-hmm. And because he's so close to the family, he asks, wondering what the situation of the house is so shabby. Like, why is it so? Why are they such in a state of? poverty so he asked her is everything okay in the house everything are you guys in an okay state and this righteous woman subhanallah look at how how nobly she answers she doesn't say okay bismillah you want to know what the problems are (laughs) yalla okay then she starts going off and no of course not she it was a noble interaction and she said your brother is not a person that loves things of the dunya materially yeah so he sat with him and he asked him like what the problem is in the whole discussion when he came there wasn't like astaghfirullah how can you come to my house and I'm not you know what I mean like imagine in our times some people have these kind of like hyper uh, you know like ideas of of what it means to separate the genders entirely and we have to just be honest and I know we're going to probably discuss this uh, but the prophetic society was a society that was homogenous women Mm. women were warriors even um, Amara, radhiyallahu taala anha fought with the Prophet. She defended with her life Rasulullah mm-hmm. Literally, if it wasn't for this woman, the Prophet والسلام, would have been killed. She literally jumped in front of the Prophet and fought and defended him. So this is a, a warrior woman. She mm-hmm. fought also in the Battle of uh, of Yamama and, and, and with uh, with the armies of Abu Bakr taala anhu etc. Uh, so this is a warrior woman. There are scholars among the Sahabiyat. Yeah, They're, uh uh were other you know situations in the time of the prophet and where women were homogeneously mixed in the society there were there were business women there were people who yeah. who had like Khadija ta'ala right they had they dealt in the markets uh, the prophet ﷺ even gave an entire um uh day for women literally the entire masjid of the prophet would be filled with women so he could give them access to education mm. and access to counseling access to uh, ask questions learn more about their faith whereas we're like in a state where subhanallah there's pe- there's Muslim societies, we have to admit, they're like banning women from learning past the sixth grade, which, which is happening in Afghanistan. This is not acceptable. This mm-hmm. is not acceptable at all. This is not what our faith teaches. Um, and we, and you know, you did a research on this, <laughs> which is the the role of the women of women in the prophetic society. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's did not have a barrier between yeah. men and women until 1995. Yeah. So there was no separation even between them. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about even the movie film tape that we think about. Yeah. you understand now that doesn't mean there should be no segregation at all ever you know in our context in, in our societies but the but the idea of segregating our masajid is something was foreign to islam till 1995 in the prophet's message yeah. okay
0: <clears throat> that's that's of course segregation i know it's a slightly different issue but there's a lot of uh, i mean you've been to the uk quite a few times now and you know there's many many masajid that don't even allow access to women in the first place. Um, and, you know, I know it's a, it's a slightly different uh, topic and issue in and of itself. But uh, and, and sometimes they might have legitimate reasons, you know, for example, like funding, just don't have enough space.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but there are also many, like, mosques that may, might, be <laughs> 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 might be able to. Might be able to. That's but. a PC, literally. <laughs> right. But uh, they don't facilitate for women. 100%. with you know whatever reasons they have yeah uh but it seems very very clear from prophetic society in the in the, in yeah, the message mean, of the prophet like, it, was, yeah, it was open to women right and like you said he gave access to them like he taught them even uh, yeah. an, an entire day and then even afterwards like it, it, i'm I'm sure this doesn't stop when the prophet passes away yeah, of course uh, throughout the times of the khulafa and even outside of medina right in other places damascus you know egypt etc like it's open. And even until today, it's funny because when you go to like Turkey to today, yeah, like it's still the case. You go to like Egypt, for example, it's still the case. Right. But it seems like here uh, in the UK context and, and other mosques as well, they just they just don't allow that space. So do you think that's going to have a detrimental effect, especially in the day and age that we're living in? Because if, if a woman can't, Go to the masjid she can't access an imam she can't learn like remember we, we had that discussion about uh, mm. the, uh, like so many sisters that, that have said to me like they, they live in you know uh, certain cities within the uk right that don't allow women like yeah at like all 99% yeah. Like, of the mosques do not allow women yeah, to go and there's no space even though they're huge mosques like yeah. huge mosques and they have the money they have everything right. there and uh, so many sisters have told me like it was only up until recently like they're in their mid-20s late 20s yeah just up until recently, <laughs> right. they went to their first ever Eid prayer yeah. just because there was this whole Eid in the park thing. Th- they might have open. been the first generation. The first generation, yeah. right? So imagine 20, 30 years of their life is gone. They've never heard Eid khutma in their life. They've never had any connection with the masjid. Right. Right. And just like perchance, they happen to like have that desire. But there's so many like sisters out there that probably just have become so detached yeah. from the religion right. and the deen and the faith because right. just of this reason. So what are your thoughts? on So that? look,
1: this actually completely has to do with <clears throat> the entire topic, because look, if this, if the place of education about our faith mm. is disenfranchising people, yeah. not only that, disenfranchising the entire section of society where they're not learning about Islam in a relevant, relatable, practical way uh, that's understanding of their context, mm. then what are you gonna do? You're gonna have people just check out. You know, and honestly, what it takes is just people to have courage. We need our imams in this country particularly in uh, that this, the context that we understand as well mm-hmm. as other places just have the courage. Like for me, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, this is, a, this is my personal stance. I don't go to a masjid that doesn't have a space for women. That's just my yeah. personal personal stance. You know why? Because to be honest with you, if you don't start making a stance, when is the change going to come? Mm. Unfortunately, we've, speak, we've spoken to people where they're like, you know, we just have to have slowly change. Well, slow change, Till when? Till a woman is in her 30s. She's never, had a, she's never gone to an Eid khutbah. And the Prophet, sallam, you know what he said about that? Mm-hmm. He said, let the women who are not even praying come out of their homes and attend and witness what? The, the salah and the dua. Allahu Akbar. Mm-hmm. This is the hadith of Rasulullah, it's sahih. Like, what do you want? I mean, to the point that we are, I mean, all those people who are just angry about people saying patriarchal understanding, interpretation, misogyny. I mean, yeah. this is it. This is, this is literally it. Um, we have to understand that there is an infringement of an ideology, which mm. is foreign to Islam, and it's disenfranchising people. We have to we have to have the courage <clears> to admit <throat> this. We have to have the courage to do something, to petition, to bring like three thousand imams, put them on a list, and say, listen, you in our community have to make this change. And how there is there is a slow change happening? Yes, yeah, yeah. but that change needs to like. I'll give you an example. I mean, it's just uh, it was just something like. To this day, I, I see the image and it's just hurt. It hurts me. It's that image of the sister in London, man, or like somewhere in in the UK. She's praying in the snow mm. because the masjid told her there's like, oh, sisters, it's not their day or something weird like that. And she's praying outside in the snow. This is absolutely ridiculous, bro. This is like mm. against manhood, aql, intellect, understanding, humanity, for the love of Allah. like So this is an extreme. Uh, and, and people have made it a norm. Now... Going back to the the topic we're talking about, imagine disenfranchising not only just women, youth, entire generation of people where just like, this is not practical to my life. I know there's people that are listening to this and they're like, oh my God, are you serious? You know why? Because we're privileged. (laughs) We in America, like we never heard of some of these problems, maybe, or maybe in in Canada or in in Norway and Sweden. But then when you look at the realities of the 99% of the rest of the world, you, you're you going to judge from your, like, elite, mm. privileged lens. Yeah, yeah, Like, you know, let's work for solutions, mm. right? So, uh, go ahead. Yeah, you were saying
0: so. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, so I was going to say, I mean, it, it, it leads to, like, a, a funny story that I also heard from a sheikh, who mm. was saying that there was one masjid, in particular, in the UK.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and uh, this man, he came and he actually brought his wife with him. They were traveling, so it mm. wasn't their loca- local masjid. Right. And so he didn't know that this masjid obviously didn't, you know, facilitate for, for women. So he came in with his wife and then there was a brother from the masjid there yeah, why, yeah. uh, that was like, you know, what's going on? Like, <laughs> why are you bringing in a woman yeah. for? And, and uh, he was like, look, we're, we're just kind of traveling. We're just passing by. We have to pray salah. She has to offer salah as well. It's yeah. not like... She's a Muslim. She's like, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like salah is just for men, right? And we don't have a space, so can we just pray in the masjid? And it was quiet. It was no prayer time. Right. It wasn't a it wasn't a time, right? Wow. It was just in the middle of the day, yeah. and the guy was like, "Look, we don't allow women to pray in this masjid." <inaudible> so, so the man was like, "Okay," and and the way he was even treating the woman, this comes back to gender interaction. Yeah, he wasn't even like looking at her; he just completely ignored her, like she didn't exist, right? So Stuff it was right. just like just you know, uh, so so the guy was like, "Please," and he pleaded with him, and then finally mm. the guy said, "Okay, fine. Look, okay, it's so the middle of the day." Quickly, like you know, pray like your know, Qasr and as quickly as possible and get out, basically. Right? Yeah, so, um, the brother, they, he, he allowed them to pray uh, in the end and they quickly offered the salah and, and, and they left. And then they went to the shop just kind of next to the masjid, right? right. Uh, to buy a few things. And that same brother walks in uh, to the shop, right? And he sees the shopkeeper Obviously he must know her It's a yeah. female, right? right? And non-Muslim, like, etc <laughs> And right. he's like, hey, assalam, like Not salam Hey, how's it going? You know, yeah, good right, afternoon right. And like, like interacting with her on another level Where yeah. in the mas- in the space of the masjid Which right. is like the best place in the, in the sight of Allah, right? Right, right, right where, With a sister who wanted to offer the salah It's like completely ignored her This is like, for me, when yeah. I heard that story It's funny yeah. But it's sad at the same time It's
1: like Reality, why, you know? why, why do we do that for? Like, it's the reality. I mean, look, it, lack of education, <clears> hundred percent. <throat> we haven't studied the seerah. We haven't studied the prophetic society, mm. and this is something that's that's my focus to bring to understanding what the prophetic society was. Because yeah. listen, when you stop a sunnah that has existed for for like over a millennia and a half, Habibi, almost mm. right, like the woman having an active role in the masjid of the Prophet due to some kind of weird uh, belief or reasoning that you come up with, you're, you're actually causing a much greater harm. Uh, that's people's lack of education of Islam. And then that's going to trickle down to everything else. Uh, as we know, like, the Prophet wasallam's masjid was a place where, literally, this is a hadith, the Prophet alaihi was sitting in the masjid, women were there, men were there, they were sitting, you know, in their spaces, mm. listening and benefiting from Rasulullah and a woman gets up in the masjid and says, Ya Rasulullah, will you marry me? Mm like to that extent and we can't be shy from these things this is the hadith of the prophet and the prophet doesn't say anything before he says something one of the sahaba gets up and says i'll marry her ya (laughs) (laughs) rasulullah like to us that's even crazy but this is the this is the this is the prophetic masjid Mm. you know what i mean some people say oh if there's a bear if there's no barrier then men will look at women like look at the extremes we're thinking about people come here for rectification of their hearts right okay Mm. They're going to look at each other or, you know, God forbid somebody decides to marry. (laughs) (laughs) SubhanAllah, you know what I mean? So thinking of because of an extreme, they applied a unfortunate, uh, unfortunately, a fiqh principle wrongly. Mm. And that is they say, which Mm. means to prevent harms from happening. This is, by the way, of the weakest principles in fiqh to apply. Really? Yeah, Yeah. it's the weakest among the madhahib. You know what I mean? Somebody who's not even like from a particular madhab, they're applying this, they don't know their own madhab. thinks it's weak. (laughs) To derive a law based Mm -hmm. on a supposed harm that doesn't exist. There's no no tagallub. There's no hukm al-ghalib, as you know. For a student of knowledge, Hukm al-ghalib means this, by the way, is going to happen 100% and then the law comes where it prevents it. So this has spread to such an extent unproportionate amounts. And just to give you another example from the Prophet ﷺ, masjid, Hmm. there was a sahabi who literally liked a woman from the Sahabiyat and what he would do is while he was praying, he would look at her from under his legs. I mean, subhanAllah, this is yeah, just yeah. the reality. What did the Prophet do? He put the a great wall of China between the men and women. He no, of course not. He he corrected the action mm. of the person, saying, Have you you know like and Nabi alayhi <laughs> sallallahu <laughs> in his, manners, yeah, in yeah, his yeah, matters, in his matters and his sure. blessings, he corrected that particular action. And now example we also gave a Father ibn Abbas mm. in Hajj there's a woman that comes and asks the Prophet a question and Father finds her beautiful. This is his cousin. He's a young man, he's not married. So what is he doing? He finds a beautiful woman in front of him and he's staring at her. So what did the Prophet ﷺ say? Astaghfirullah <laughs> fear Allah, Bismillah Alhamdulillah and he starts No, of course. And did not do that. He knows that this is a natural human human interaction so what he does is he gently puts his hand on his face and moves his face out of the way while he's still talking to the woman Mm. and this is something so beautiful the Prophet he acknowledged the woman Mm-mm-mm. We don't even yeah, acknowledge, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Acknowledgement is that. And you were telling me, what's that country? You were the Kazakhstan, where the there's like a yeah, habit.
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Was, Kazakhstan uh, is this uh, young brother, basically, right? uh, that we we studied together at university. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's part of like maybe it's part of the the yeah, culture, right? It is. It's just that like. When a woman it's comes a Muslim in, culture, but yeah, yeah, look Muslim, how but, amazing! it is. Exactly right. So when a woman comes in, or like, and it could be someone that he's known for a long time. So it's not yeah. even like you know, it's it's like the the head of the the course. Right. You know, so you have to show respect. Right. It's right. literally like a, 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 one of his colleagues came in. Uh, right. You know, she's a Muslim as well, and they've known each other for they've been doing the masters together for a long right. time. But I've realized over the the past few months that every time a woman walks into the room, he stands up for them. Every time it doesn't matter, like if it's right. a new person or if it's like someone he's known for a while. Yeah, I mean, look at the it respect. Beauty, yeah, it's yeah. like it's a beautiful like gesture, right? Uh, to stand up for the woman and right. to just show, like, to acknowledge that yo, like, you're real and 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 I'm and I'm speaking to you and right. you know, like, I respect you. Right. But I feel like we're losing uh, so much of yeah, that. Yeah, hundred percent. And today, with Muslims, we should be kind of leading the way with.
1: So how does it well. go back into the discussion we had? Is, is sexualized gender? Mm. So we're literally. You can talk to Jennifer on the outside and say, hey, Jen, how's your day? And when it comes to inside, uh, you know, like uh, Asia or whoever in the masjid is like is like now a threat to your iman immediately because Mm. her existence. This is this is extremism. This is not allowed. I mean, honestly, this is this is the language I'm using is not exaggerated. It can lead to extremism and hypersexualizing. And also, unfortunately, when a person comes actually to having the relationship where you need to get to know somebody mm. to find the compatibility, you can't do it, you know. And and you won't be able to uh, find the right conversations to have because you're mm. so rigid in your understanding of what it means, even when you're looking for marriage, subhanAllah. Lalee. So among that is that, you know, first and foremost, we need to readjust, deconstruct all of these constructs. Mm-hmm. all of these constructs just deconstruct the whole thing take make your mind like a clean slate and then educate yourself educate yourself on the prophetic society educate yourself on the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's dealings with women mm-hmm. the pro- the sahabiyat their role and there there's a really good series uh, I think Women's History in Islam by Sheikh Akram al Nadwi. He, he, he has a 13 volume work on just the, the role of Muhadithat alone, 8,000 mm. female scholars. So he talked about the women uh, women's roles in Islamic history. There's also another uh, set uh, on women in the time of the Prophet وسلم, by Hisham al Awadi. Uh, amazing. Uh, al Awadi? Hisham? Yeah, I think Hisham mm-hmm. al uh, Awadi. Uh, yeah. I'm forgetting his, his last name, but anyway, hisham something. Uh, and he did, a, he did a very good uh, uh, CD set with regards to women's assignment and, and their role in the society. It helps us deconstruct some of our own, really, like, it's patriarchy. It's toxic mm. kind of patriarchy that doesn't exist. So uh, that's first and foremost. And then when it comes to, um, you know, finding the person, before we ask, where is the one for me, ask yourself, are you the one for somebody else? Are you, mm, have you... Very true. You know, fixed and qualified yourself to be someone else uh, is, is, is is in a spouse in a relationship. So before you talk about that, like, what are the shortcomings you have? What are the intentions you have in getting married? Is it to fulfill, like the Prophet said in the, in the perfect hadith, marriage completes your deen So fear Allah in the, uh, in, the in the in the half mm. that, that that you're you're going to be involved in. Um, and what does this mean? The idea is that marriage. It allows you another set of eyes, another ex- person's experience to help complete your shortcomings your mm. entire life you're lonely, you're single yeah, yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> uh, where you're trying to fix yourself and and, and adjust yourself uh, based on your own experiences. So what does marriage do? It helps you complete yourself with yeah. another person's experiences of fulfilling your shortcomings. What does the process sense at the end of it, which we forget so, fear we Allah fear. Yeah. or yeah. Ha- be conscious of Allah in that half
0: yeah yeah very true Uh, and I'm really glad we kind of discussed that side of things so hopefully maybe for a lot of you know people who are tuned in it's it's kind of like it's going to open up their eyes and many people are going to be like wow this is the first time we've ever heard you know this this side of things because we've just grown up with a a particular understanding so I'm really glad we discussed that but also I think it's important just to kind of balance things as well Uh because we're speaking about interaction and everything else and You know, we can't kind of ignore and turn a blind eye to the fact that people do take advantage, right? Of course. And and, and there are cases where, you know, things do go horribly wrong. Uh, So I guess that's why there are certain measures in place, uh, you know, in the Sharia. Uh, so if you are interacting with someone, then right. you, you, there's, for example, uh, you have like this whole uh, seclusion. And yep. I know you can kind of elaborate on the definition of that because it doesn't just mean like you're on a bus. And then there's, there's like a yeah, <laughs> right. public transport and then there's a right. woman on there. So you have to like move the carriage on the train right, or something right, like that. Right, right. uh, so we can kind of like discuss that as well. We'll come to it. Um, but... Uh, we've already mentioned because of this like hyper society and maybe social media and all of these like crazy things that we see uh, right. online or on TV, etc. Maybe that, you know, that it, it does lead to objectification right. and not just male, females, but even the right. other way around as well, right? So I guess my, uh, my main uh, question now is uh, Islamically, what are the measures in place? Like, for example, we, we spoke about work female colleague right. doesn't mean you ignore her you still kind of speak to her right. so does that mean like now you can just have banter and go out and yeah. you know like let's let's kind of speak you're, about you're right. the, the
1: realities so when it comes to obviously we talked about statute mm. of limitations yeah um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he set certain limitations for us again the wisdom and objective ob- objectivity behind that mm. um, the idea of can men and women be friends yeah is a huge discussion in, in and <laughs> yeah. in, in social media among people etc the idea is some people will say well i my entire you know university years and my work colleague like i've had uh, male or female friends and there's nothing ever happened well, that happened to you <clears throat> what about the rest of the world yeah yeah right and i'll give you just one example uh and everybody will use anecdotal evidence they'll use their own personal mm. experience but there was for example like a uh uh, a guy and a girl, who Muslim, they were they were in the Muslim Student Association the university. They were known to just talk to one another all the time. Mm. They would just like be talking in university, etc. So everybody kind of knew like they're they're talking, whatever that means, right? Yeah. Uh, at the end of the four years, the uh, girl is expecting somehow like the guy's going to propose to me. <laughs> so when the f- university ended, he proposed to her friend. Wow. And it shocked her. Yeah, yeah. So she went to him and was like, you know, what's up? Like and he's like, well, I've always thought of you as a as a, as a sister, <laughs> and guess what happened? <laughs> yeah. Because everybody in the university, everybody in society, kind of knew they were like just talking. None of the guys would ever approach her again, because they were like, okay, خلاص, like mm. this situation is what it is. So this is an example to show you, like, look, there has to be a sense of professionalism. There isn't just like an open, unended. You know, like, let's just banter. Let's hang out late till night. And, and, you know, let's go out on uh, what's called collective group dates and things Mm. like that. You know, we have to have a level of decency. Uh, You know, there is times where there's a professional setting uh, or there's a meeting of some sort or there's uh, the idea of, you know, just not going to extremes. It's very simple. Religion is a balanced thing. And uh, when people start to infringe their ideas, like for example, you have a family event, you have a family outing, people are gathered together. This is like, you know what I mean? Everybody's with their families. These kind of things is okay. It's not like a Mm. massive issues where, uh, you know, haram will happen or things like that when you are uh, very cognizant of your intentions. Now, one of the things that we also go into an extreme with um, is the idea that uh, when you are going to engage with uh, discussion with another woman then what are the levels of seclusion right sure. so for example um, we talked about khalwa, seclusion this is mm-hmm. one of the statute of limitations <clears throat> a man should not be with another woman that he has the like he has interest in her mm. do you understand that may lead to some form of forbidden relationship something like that so again this is the general rule but this is not the case you go into a job interview and it's a woman boss like, okay, staghfirullah, can't be with you in some room, and etc. You know, take mm-hmm. that as another principle in fiqh called <laughs> this specific situation or an exceptional situation doesn't make the general rule. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. And our entire lives are sometimes, you know, filled with these kind of exceptional cases. Now, the interesting thing is, after like the Me Too movement, now especially, yes, uh, I have literally talked to lawyers who have said to They're like high-end clients in Wall Street that never be alone in a meeting with a woman. And you're like, oh, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> Sharia is like, <laughs> it's creeping, coming in the creeping world. <laughs> creeping Sharia, right? Hashtag creeping Sharia. But the idea is, look, this is these are like, this is a Muslim. Uh, sorry, excuse me. This is a non-Muslim lawyer yeah. telling Wall Street like executives. Even Mike Pence as well. So <laughs> the thing. Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> you like, you want to throw names, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But look, like, so, so, yes, it's a position of man that could abuse his power, or uh-huh. like, you know, somebody could say something. Allahu alam. You know what i mean so the idea being is it protects both uh, people and that's why uh, the best thing is to have like transparency mm. you know what i mean there's a <laughs> there's video cameras there's literally i have i know people that ha- they record their sessions say listen this is for my safety and your safety this gives mm. the agency to the woman shows respect to her the doors always open like this is external factors but yeah, i'm yeah. talking about you don't have control of some of these factors if you don't have control of a factor don't infringe your conceptualization of seclusion into a scenario which is gonna cause you massive, massive difficulty and hardship for no reason. Allah Mm. Subh'anaHu Wa Taala Sharia is not that rigid. You know what I mean? That's why these principles are important. It allows you to live Islam organically, Mm. naturally. So when there is a, a exceptional case, move on with your life. What do people do? Like they reflect on it for 10 years. Astaghfirullah! What happened? Like, <laughs> come on, man! You went to a job interview. You deal with, uh, especially when you're at work. A lot of people, when they have these conceptualizations, they don't maybe deal with real society, mm. or they deal with a, a bubbled, uh, a conservative kind of environment that literally is not cognizant of the rest of the world. So we have to have like real life fiqh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, a theology of dealing with our realities.
0: Mm. So that's 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 interesting. Uh, I wanted to touch on really quickly. Um, just moving away now from the whole interaction. So coming back to marriage, right? Because uh, that was more general in terms of the your day to day life. So right. coming back to marriage and and relationships. Of course, now there's going to be a case where it's no longer just just general chat with your colleagues and stuff like now, you actually have to chat to someone who you're actually genuinely interested in. So there's going to be other measures in place and there's going to be different rulings that now uh, are in the picture. So let's just uh, kind of discuss that really quickly Mm -hmm. in terms of like the struggles that many people would face now. Like, okay, uh, I'm interested in someone. Am I allowed to like, you know, speak to her now? Am I allowed to like meet up with with him or her? Sorry, I keep saying her, but like, you know, from both both sides of, of the picture. Um, like, what are the limitations? Because I know we've already said, in terms of like the Prophet didn't inquire, he didn't go too much into it. Right. Uh, so I know we don't want to go too much into it either. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> just, uh, We're asking questions. We? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah go, but, go. Uh, but in general, meaning like, just because I'm sure a lot of people are struggling with this, they are, they're wondering uh, about it. I'm just, I appreciate it. They're that. wondering, yeah. So uh, just like a really quick kind of like overview, and then <laughs> we move <laughs> we'll move on, on, quickly. To, <laughs> move on here to marriage. Uh,
1: my, my idea is uh, number one, the most important thing is what are the intentions? of two people that are actually trying to engage with one another mm. uh, like you slide in her dms or she slides in you i mean this is reality yeah, people yeah, live yeah. in this kind of culture right mm. or f- contacting somebody on facebook or maybe approaching somebody like they met in an, an event or any kind of scenario you want to think about yeah. Either using apps using websites be as broad as you want what is the first thing you need to think about what is your intention
0: mm-hmm. what
1: is your intention for the establishing a relationship Before even marriage is on your mind, because wait a minute, are you even ready for marriage? That's a separate discussion we're going to have right now. Mm -hmm. What is your intention? What is your intention for contact? Is it truly to like, you want to anchor yourself in a relationship that will lead to a marriage? Is that what your intention is? Mm -hmm. And I think the reality, one of the problems is that, um, and I'm just going to like pick on guys for a little bit here, is that sometimes women uh, become involved with a man and they think that the man will come around in his intention is gonna to come to marriage like mm. you have to build into to that honestly if you if any relationship that is not anchored with the idea of marriage is, is, is gonna to bound to eventually lead to disappointment yeah. marriage is the anchor of relationships so if you're not going into it with the same mentality as the one that you're gonna be involved in and it's not there it's not part of like the initial even discussions mm. of like eventually you know this is this is in order for us to get to know one another etc and we have to go about it the right way Mm-hmm. you know that kind of discussion is based on your intention so a lot of people just like you know they've pornographied and unfortunately obscene the relationship between a man and a woman to the extent that people just reach out to each other yeah. and like hook up and if it happens dating is like oh I'll, I'll just try as many people as I can come across mm-hmm. and maybe I'll come across somebody that's in, uh, uh, in my uh, uh, likings and uh, they're in my interest but if they're not okay peace but then what are you doing you're literally like almost like giving a piece of yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like, we're not here to judge at all. There's no judgment on people who have passed, have dated, mm. etc. But the idea is to counsel this problem. You know what I mean? And one of the problems in that is what Islam, you know, gives us the idea that you're sharing yourself with another person and you want to invest in yourself and another person and them in you. And you want to take the responsibility Mm. Of 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 taking care of somebody, you know what I mean. It's not just like oh, if it happens, it happens. It doesn't happen, yeah, then yeah. you know, go get lost. <clears throat> you know, it, there's a noble pursuit of love, mm. um, not just like I'm taking something from you, sure. or the selfish pursuits of of what we see today. So mm. again, don't nobody get me wrong here, because you know, any time and one sentence is off, right? Yeah, but yeah. the idea being is that it's not a judgment of this issue, but what is the Islamic perspective? What is the lens behind? Uh, finding somebody to marry. So again, mm. I probably didn't answer your exact question. <laughs> I'm doing that on purpose because yeah. I don't believe it's 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 the place of scholarly figures or religious figures to sit and outline the details of human interactions of people. This is not how Allah did it. This is not how Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did it. He gave us general principles. And mm. by, by the end of the day, what did he say? اتقو الله مصطعته. Be conscious of God. Like what, what are you doing? Mm. Look at your intentions, Look at, question what you're doing, question what your actions are leading to. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, so if yeah. there's not that constant check and accountability, then what did the Prophet وسلم, say? Look at the power mm. of this hadith. مَنْ لَمْ يَسْتَحِي فَصْنَعْ mm. Whoever doesn't have any shame, then yeah. let them do what they want. Not literally like go ahead, it's a yeah, halal. Yeah, yeah. The idea is it's like you don't have shame. Shame of who? Not shame of other people. What would they say? What would my mom say? Shame of Allah first knowing that god watches you and the god consciousness factor so mm. spirituality is so much in tied with the literal pursuit of finding the one right mm. so i hope that that gives you something yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think we need to talk about just uh like just checking ourselves first before cuz everyone like you know it's there's so many different reasons and we discu- we've been discussing this over you know quite recently in terms of like so many different reasons why people would want to get married right? right uh one reason is like uh, you know like escapism that yeah. was that was a big one right that. like yeah. you know all of these you know like problems going on at home you just want to get out yeah. you just want to marry someone and think that's going to solve all the problems they never
1: felt love from their father or yeah. mother or they the toxic negative culture of their own family mm. is, is they just want to escape from it they want to yeah. go somewhere like whoever the first guy that comes bismillah or the first yeah, yeah, girl yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: exactly and, and and other reasons could be just like you know for example I just you you see like stuff on tv and right. on social media and you just think that is it and, and right. that's goals and that's you know like <laughs> right. you know uh, like that's basically what a relationship is and right. then you jump into it and then like, oh wait, hold on a second, I'm not gonna be right. doing doing off with my wife twenty four seven. I'm yeah. actually <laughs> gonna go go home and yeah. you know Hashtag, like, hashtag follow to... <laughs> me, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, all of that the stuff, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So like I guess there's there's that as well. So what would your advice be to people who are you know in the process of, of of finding someone or maybe they're they're looking to get married soon? Uh what checks should we do on ourselves first before we even think about you know, like jumping into a relationship and, and committing long-term.
1: Excellent, so four things. We already talked about the first, the first question every single person should ask themselves, honestly, sit down, write a piece of paper, what's my intention? Mm. What's my intention? Is, is it to escape? Is it because I'm lonely? Those aren't like, how is that a, an idea of getting into a relationship with somebody else? Yeah. There can maybe subsidiary co- uh, points. Number two, uh, what are the qualities you look <clears throat> for in a spouse, okay? And number three, what are the shortcomings you have that you need to work on? Your spiritual state, your, your physical state, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, you, you know, what are the, some of the things that, that your character qualities are not there? Alt- financially, right? Finan- that's yeah. exactly an excellent point. So financially, are you financially ready? Mm. Like, are, or do you have at least a strategy or plan to support this other person? I'll give you that famous story that we've been, we've been <laughs> sharing <laughs> yeah, yeah. is that, you know, I went to a city and uh, the guy comes up to me and <clears> says, yo, sheikh." I was like, what's up? He's like, it's just hard. It's a struggle I was like, what's hard? And then I realized I was like, okay, what's her name? And he starts laughing right? He's like, it's just difficult It's a struggle, whatever He was like, so what's her name, man? He's like, uh, uh, yeah, I'm trying to get married I was like, okay So uh, what happened? He's like, well, she's from a different culture I, saw, I thought it was that whole discussion yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. She's from a different culture yeah. The family's not getting along Whatever He's like, no, no, that's not the case I was like, oh, okay, so what's the problem? He's like, I went and talked to her father even I was like, dope, you manned up That's what's up, mashallah yeah, yeah. Like he came with the right intention He, mm. he spoke to her before and then he went to the father and was like, oh, I want, to, I want to propose to your daughter. He went about it the right way like a man should. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. The father was a righteous father. And was like, yeah, okay. I was like, he said, okay. He's like, yeah, different culture. But his dad was okay with it. But there's a real problem with how we deal with it. I was like, what's the problem? He's like, his father said, I have to finish university. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, sit down. <laughs> like, please, take a seat. How much? How many years do you have left? Two years. I was like, you can't have patience for two years. <laughs> in something that the father's simply asking for financial stability. Yeah, yeah. He does not have the means to support you all. And your family doesn't have the means to support you all. Mm. So this is just reality. It's not a struggle. So. It's just you're gonna be with somebody for eternity. We believe until like eternity of Jannah too, not just this world, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're like somebody's like, Oh snap, like marriage is that <laughs> Yeah. So like you had you have to have some patience, exercise some manhood. Mm. You know what I mean? So financial stability, important. Like what are the qualities that you need financially? Uh, the qualities of character. Number one problem everybody talks about is like um, anger, impatience, sure, yeah. you know? And that leads to number four, which is communication skills. You have to develop your communication skills when before you engage in a relationship with somebody else. Most of us, we've lived in a family. Some of us, subhanAllah, isolated, insulated in that family. And what happens is, the arguments you have with your with your siblings and the fights that you have because siblings mm. do crazy things right or with your parents gets and they're like infringing their view and their opinion on you because they're speaking from a parental child perspective guess yeah. what if you did not understand how to uh, communicate and how to uh, have difference of opinion and cater to somebody else and listen while even disagreeing and saying, okay, we'll agree to disagree mm-hmm. having those coping mechanisms, having communication skills uh, and when you get to relationship guess what are you are gonna think about you're not my mother mm. right or you got argue with them like like they're your sibling you know what i mean like i'm gonna be offended simply because you disagreed look at the lack of maturity there or not even sometimes even worse the guy will treat her like it's, she's one of her one of his boys she's not your boy <laughs> she's supposed to be your best friend somebody you you nurture you build affection with something that maybe many people have not like had the opportunity to even think about mm. and thinking that's going to come after no bro I mean, that doesn't, that's not how it works. You have to study communication. You have to study the generalities of gender, inter, uh, of the, not gender the interaction, gender uh, characteristics. So, we're not, again, we're not characterizing men are all this way and women are all this way, but there are generalities even scientists and psychologists speak about. One famous book, for example, is Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus uh, by John Gray. And there's follow-up yeah, books yeah. after that, The Seven Languages or Five Languages of Love, um, there's many communication skills books of how to cope in, in marriage and communicate. You need to really read and do mm-hmm. your homework and see where you're lacking. So when you're when you're impatient with your mother because she's telling you to clean your bed, what about your wife? You're like you're acting like a you know like a whatever. You can't even clean up after yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: Or the fact that you even you don't even have the ethic the work ethic that somebody has to constantly remind you. This is it. you don't want to let your marriage be your testing grounds mm. because some marriages fail based on that Sure. right but rather you want to educate yourself before these five these four things are very important that mm-hmm. we mentioned intention the qualities you're looking for literally what are the qualities write them down and then number three uh what are the shortcomings you have including uh are you uh of age or uh, have the uh opportunity to marry are you mature are you qualified to do you have the financial stability and number four communication and understanding the opposite gender, just understanding women as women and men as men. Mm, I hope everyone that's listening is, uh is <laughs> <So he's> ready <laughs> and,
0: and taking uh, taking notes down. Uh, but I think one uh, key point that you mentioned was maturity as well, because right. so many people think like, "I'm ready for marriage." Uh, yeah. Why? Because like. You know, I, I feel like I'm ready. Right. But there's obviously, we have to like, we're talking about living in the real world, right? right so right, right. we're not just talking about financially and stuff, but just the mindset and just being of age, like we said, to marry. Right. I, and and we, we can't say there is a, a particular age, right? Right. Because I think that's also a problem, uh-huh. which is like, you know, people say, okay, you're 25 now, you're 26 right. now, you have to get married. Right. But maybe societal that... Societal pressures. Societal pressures. That's another... Pressures. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's another uh, reason why people just get married and then it leads to like long-term problems and issues. Right. But yeah, like uh, you have to be, uh, so we can't put an age on it. Meaning like even if someone's like in their mid-20s, like right. I've met so many people who are in their mid-20s, even late 20s nowadays, right. who are like, they haven't done anything in their life. They ha- they've got no responsibility. Uh, they're not there in terms of financially, maturity maturity-wise. They're wise, like, yeah. you know, the, like the example that we always give. Is, like, <laughs> they're playing they're Fortnite playing... <laughs> till they're 28. <laughs> yeah, they're playing Fortnite. There's nothing wrong with playing Fortnite, Fortnite. But if you're like world...
1: literally chilling with your boys like that. Yeah. And like they're out till one AM every single night. Yeah. they just
0: they're just accustomed to a particular lifestyle and exactly. they think, you know, when I get married, I'm gonna continue that way and it's cool. Mm. Uh so they're just not there yet. So I, we can't put an age on it because it's led to many problems in the past. 100%. But maturity is a is a huge thing. things. So I think for, for people listening and watching, uh, like, you know, if you are thinking about getting married then I think this is something else that you really need to uh, kind of assess right. but uh we, we have to wrap up because the, the crazy thing is like we need to bring you back for a third one <laughs> to continue because well, then... let me let me throw something out there <laughs> yeah, i go. think
1: honestly like remember we had um, you know we had a uh female voice in this discussion yeah sure. and that's a uh a psychologist a licensed counselor a psychotherapist you know this is not just a all-male panel we're mm-hmm. sitting here like i'm Both, coming yeah. for you from the angle of, of a religious perspective Okay, what does yeah. our faith teach us in looking for the right one? Mm. Okay, there's a lot of things to, to consider. There's a lot of things to re- deconstruct. Uh, we're not even into the part where we're talking about like cultural infringement of your family yeah. when you've finally found somebody that, and they're not hap- they don't happen mm. to be from your from your mm. race. But there does need to be from a from a uh, sociological and psychological perspective mm-hmm. the voice of. Of, of women, the voice of uh, a qualified, uh, you know, scholarly figure mm. or a or, uh, psychologist or sociologist or somebody who's, you know, obviously has experience uh, at the very least uh, to speak on this issue. And that's why it's so important. You saw the difference when we had it. Yeah. Um, and I do definitely think that, inshallah, in the future that that has to be something that's, that, that we've discussed. And I want to make sure that's very clear out there uh, <laughs> that, you know, I recognize that 100 percent and you see the benefit of that. Uh, for women to have that voice, to have their questions answered. There's a lot of questions that you might have even after this. We mm. just need a female voice out there for sure.
0: Yeah, and we're not obviously speaking on behalf of... Oh, for sure. And we're not qualified, you know, counselors and relationships. Right, right. This is purely
1: yeah. from like a, an experience-based perspective, from a religious lens of what our faith teaches us. Uh, and, and, and alhamdulillah, both of us are, you know, qualified to speak on that perspective only.
0: Alhamdulillah. khairan, once again. Uh, it's been a very like deep and uh, insightful discussion. And like we said, uh, most likely we're going to have to have a part three to continue <laughs> this discussion. Uh, but uh, once again, it's been a pleasure to have you on board. And uh, I've definitely learned a lot. And I hope, inshallah, all of our viewers and listeners, you guys have learned a lot from this discussion. And we've discussed many different things. And, and, and like I said, that there's probably uh, quite a few things that you've heard for the first time. Uh, there's probably a few things that uh, like you know it's we we've quoted like different narrations and different ayats from the Quran and you're like wow i never knew that you know it, like it, the islam actually spoke about these things in this way so there's definitely i think there's a there's a lot because we we even covered things like segregation and the masjid of the Muslim and then mm-hmm. we went to relationships so there's so much ground to cover here uh, but i think the most important thing is like try to inshallah maybe like connect uh, with um, you know different like scholars and students of knowledge if you want to find out more in particular, your own context, like you might be in a completely different part of the world right now. So it's important to connect with people who are uh, in your locality as well to get advice from them uh, and to kind of uh, discuss further uh, rather than just kind of You know Just fully relying On the MV podcast Which is a great start Of course right. In the discussion but, This is supposed uh, to start A discussion Yeah this is This is the start Of the discussion And it's up to you guys Inshallah To just continue that uh, However you can Inshallah So once again Barakallahu To Sheikh Hasib Noor Allah For, for joining us Allah SWT bless you And right. uh, definitely Next time you're back We hope to host you again Inshallah, inshallah. Barakallahu feek to, uh, to all of our uh, uh, Those who tuned in uh, We hope you enjoyed The episode And make sure you subscribe To the YouTube channel and make sure uh, you subscribe to us uh, on all of the other platforms as well as well as iTunes. And we hope to be with you again very soon. Take care from your host Shabir. Salaam alaikum